0: turning to Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, we're going to start in verse 17 whenever we get there, but I want to just preface this sermon this morning, and and I would not even so much call it a sermon as just an opportunity for us to just come together as believers, magnify the Lord, lift Him up, and just take part in what He done for us, amen, but if you didn't know, yesterday was the start of what we know to be as Holy Week. And, and it was the first day of Passover, which was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And um, today is a special day. It's called Palm Sunday. So it, with that being said, everybody look at your palms. And just, I'm kidding. That's not what it means. But Palm Sunday or also was known as the day that Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. That's what Brother Bryce was talking about just a second ago about how everybody was welcoming him in. They were so excited because they thought that they were gonna over, he was going to overthrow the Roman government, but that wasn't the case. And thank you, Brother Bryce, for just bringing that up and talking about that and just opening up what that looks like. And so today, with that being Palm Sunday, then we, we progress through the week. Passover is a couple more days. And, and then as we progress through, Friday is what we know to be uh, Good Friday. Not Black Friday. That's a different holiday, right? But uh, Good Friday is uh, was the day that we celebrate the death of our Savior Jesus and um, we're going to come as a body that night and we're gonna we're gonna do an egg hunt and uh, I'm super excited because we're gonna do a glow-in-the-dark black light egg hunt and some people have said why why do it like that well number one I've never seen it done like that before so that's a good reason to do it and number two is we have eggs that we're gonna break these glow sticks crack them and break them and then they start to glow and we put them inside of the eggs and the eggs themselves start to glow and I'm going to use an opportunity to just talk about the brokenness of Jesus Christ lighting up our lives come on somebody and we're gonna we're gonna teach the gospel through eggs I know it's kind of weird but God's gonna do something awesome all right but Friday is what we know to be is good Friday the death the day we celebrate the death of Jesus and then Sunday This coming Sunday is Easter Sunday. uh, What we know as the body of Christ to be Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we celebrate that day. Because here's the truth. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, he wouldn't be God. That moment is what solidified him as God. Why do you say that, Pastor Joe? Because there's been a lot of other deities and gods that have died And you can go visit their graves, but the truth is, is Jesus Christ is alive. And we could probably go to where he laid, but he's not there, right? Come on, somebody. But what do these events mean for us today? I know these all happened over 2,000 years ago. What does this mean for us today? What does this look like for us today? Why do we honor and cherish these days? Because this week was the catalyst to the life that we have as believers, it was the launching point to the life that we have as believers. So if you want to read with me Matthew 26, we're going to start in verse 17. If you don't have your Bible, if you don't have the Bible app, pulled up on your phone. We got it on the screen, and uh, we're just going to read, and we're going to listen to what the Scriptures say. Verse 17, On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Verse number 18, go into the city to a certain man, and he said, and tell him, the teacher says, my time is near, I am celebrating Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. Now, I just want to put in an emphasis there that Jesus liked to lay back and chill, so I like to lay back and chill. Come on, somebody. It's, there's nothing wrong with laying back and just relaxing, right? The Bible says multiple occasions that he went away. He got away by himself, went to the lake by himself. That's my kind of dude, right? So men if you're, or women, if you're down for fishing or you just want to get away and spend some alone time, do it. Jesus done it. He took naps too. Be like Jesus. Take naps. Come on, somebody. Anyway, he said, So the disciples done, and they prepared the Passover. And when the evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. And verse 21, while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. I love how Jesus is all chill about it, you know, like laid back at the table. One of you guys are going to betray me. And here's what they begin to do. Deeply distressed, each one of them began to say, Surely not I, Lord. And he replied, The one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl will betray me. Verse 24, The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to the man to whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him not to have been born. Verse 25, Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. You've said it, he told him. Verse 26, As they were eating, Jesus, this is very important. I want you to hear this part. This is our emphasis for today. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this week and what it means. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. And we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So again, we see these men of God, these followers of Jesus. We see them, and they're reclined around the table, and they're, they're spending time with Jesus. And Jesus has already told them, hey, my time's coming. I'm getting ready to die. And Jesus is so relaxed about this. And, and the reason why is he was everything he'd done was to fulfill a purpose. He was intentional about everything he'd done because he had a purpose to be fulfilled. He wanted to prove something, teach something, and do something, right? And so while we were reading this passage of Scripture, and I might not be before you for 15, 20 minutes, but we're going to do something special at the end of the sermon, and I'm excited about it. But while he was in this passage, I read some things, and I began to just think, what exactly is the Lord trying to say to us as believers? You know, we hear this story, and if you've been in church any lengthy amount of time, you've heard this story every year, like clockwork. We know what's going on. Pastor Joe, we know what you're talking about. Okay, let's just get it over with and be done. But the truth is, is I feel like sometimes we just go through the routine, and we go through the motions, and we go through what we call church, and we really miss the point. You know, because here's the truth. We read Scripture, and we have to... Uh, theology tells us to put it in context, right? And what that means is, is who it was talking to at the time, what it meant at the time, everything that was said at the time. But we do that so much sometimes that I forget that God is speaking to us now. And when we read this passage of Scripture, I really feel like God wanted to explain some things this morning. And the first thing that I noticed that he done in verse, I believe it was 27 that I told you was our emphasis. No, it was 20, uh, 26. And he said they were eating, and Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and what's the next part? He broke it. And then what did he do? He gave it. So he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And, you know, we see the images sometimes in, in Bible movies and stories where he takes it and he holds it up in the air and he blesses it and he breaks it and then he just starts distributing. And, you know, that looks really good and it looks really theatrical. And, but I don't think it was like that. I think it was, again, it was on a level of relaxation. It was on a level of community. It was on a level as if we were all down at the Mexican restaurant eating some food and I passed you the plate of nachos. Come on, somebody. And we often separate ourselves from God so much that we keep forgetting that this is very personal. It's all so very personal. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been to Texas Roadhouse or uh, maybe uh, Red Lobster? And they bring out those rolls and that cinnamon butter or those, those garlic butter biscuits from Red Lobster. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm getting some, getting some hand waves back in the back like, yes, Lord, we see you doing the will, right? What happens next when they bring those to the table? We almost overindulge (laughs) in the biscuits and the rolls and the cinnamon butter. And I'm going to keep talking until every single one of you get hungry, okay? But the truth is, is that what happens is, is that if we are not careful, we tear it up. I say we like I know you, but I know me. And I don't know anybody. It's almost like a chip. You can't eat just one. If you know a single person who can eat one potato chip, they're of the devil. Get away from them right now, okay? And so it's the same way when it comes to bread and these biscuits and these rolls at Texas Roadhouse. And, and we begin to eat, and as we begin to eat, if we're not careful, we will eat so much of the bread that we're unable to partake of everything else that we've got coming to us, Right? That is what bread does. It fulfills. Especially if you're drinking a drink with it. It's like the minute that it hits your stomach, it's a and you're just full. And then we all turn into sinners because we glutton and we finish the meal that we're about to pay 18 bucks for, right? Okay, so the truth is, is that bread fulfills. And at this particular time in Scripture, we do bread a little different now because of technology and all that we have. But at this particular time in Scripture, bread had a process that it had to go through to be made. And the wheat, once it was picked from the field, it had to go to a place called the threshing floor. And what would happen there? The wheat would be separated from the chaff. And what does that mean? It means that everything good was separated from everything that was bad. And the good parts were put together, and it was baked, and it created bread. The process of removing the wheat, there was a beating. They would literally take the wheat and just beat it against the floor. And then they would take it with a, with what wheat, a, a willowing fork or a winnowing fan, and they would take it and they would just toss it up in the air, just aggressively. Just toss it up in the air. And then chaff and wheat would begin to separate. And so here's the thing. It produced a pureness in the bread. And this is so symbolic this morning. I want you to hear this. It's so symbolic this morning. Jesus, when he went through the blessing... Then he broke the bread, and when he broke it, we see that symbolizing, you know, all the way from the threshing floor to the table to the eating, the breaking constantly was taking place. This is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. My brokenness is what's going to bring you fulfillment. My brokenness is what's going to meet your every need. My brokenness from the beginning till now, till the cross, and forever will fill the void in your life. Why do we eat? We get hungry, right? To sustain, to fulfill. Some of us eat just because we like to do it. That's me, bless the Lord. But the truth is, is that when we eat, we get fulfilled, and and what we were lacking has been what? Replaced replenished. We need nutrients to live. We need vitamins to live. We need sugars to live. We need all of these things to live. We need water to live. And bread offers that to us, and when we take it, we're fulfilled. And the beautiful thing about this is that it was given, was a gift. He didn't look at him and say, alright, you give me 50 cents, I'll give you a piece of bread. Come on, somebody. He didn't say that. He said, here we are together. I'm going to break this bread, and I'm going to give it to you. And this reminded me of a time we were in Dandridge, my wife and I, and we were out to eat, and uh, we were in a booth, but the, wall, the booth had a high wall behind it, so you couldn't see what was going on behind you. But I heard this little old voice tell this young boy, here, I have a gift for you. And this is, and, and just the way that she said this, I know it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. She said, I have a gift for you. You don't have to earn this. It's me giving it to you. And man, if, if I'm telling the truth, I begin to, and my wife thought I was crazy. Because she didn't hear it, and I heard it, and tears just began to stroll down my face. And God said, that is how I feel About you. Everything I've given you. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to labor for it. It is a gift. It is a gift. And in that moment in time. Jesus broke that bread. And he looked at his disciples. And he said here. Eat this. This is my body. That's broken. For you. Hear me this morning when I say that it's the broken body of Jesus that fulfills our lives. We can strive every day to make more money. And we can have more money. But there's still going to be a broken spot. We could strive every day to have downtime where we literally do nothing. And there's still going to be a broken spot. There's still going to be lacking in our lives. We can have the money, we can have the car, we can have the time, we can have anything and everything that we wrote down on a piece of paper saying that this would make my life perfect. But in reality, that's not what's going to do it. Why? Because it's the broken body of Jesus that gives us our fulfillment. Here's an encouraging word for you today. Anytime you find yourself desiring something from this world, hear me. Anytime you find yourself desiring something from this world, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that sounds like for you, whatever that is coming against you, here's what you need to do. Return to the table where the bread is. Come back to Jesus. Oh, Pastor Joe, it just don't work that way. Have you tried it? You know, whenever all hell's against you and you feel like throwing in the towel and you feel like giving up and you feel like you're defeated. There's been plenty of times that I've found myself wanting things the world has to offer, wanting things that God doesn't want for me. And then I had to catch myself and say, Lord, is this what you want? And when I return to the table of the bread, I find my lacking, you know how you get sometimes when you get hungry? And your, your belly begins to eat your backbone. I don't know anybody in here that suffers like that. But, you know, the truth is, is if you've gone more than 30 minutes without snacking on something, you know, that's what my body tells me anyway. Man, you've went way too long without eating something. We're going to have to do. And what do we wind up doing? Listen to this. What do we wind up doing whenever we begin to want something? We want to nourish ourselves with things that aren't good. Unhealthy foods, Right. Now, this is not a health trip. This is not me getting up here saying that you all need to eat specific things, but it, it works. So listen, the thing is, is that what happens when you eat a bag of chips? Very shortly, you'll find yourself craving something else. What happens when you fill yourself full of sugars? Soon and very soon, you're going to find yourself craving something else. Why? Because the things that are not good for us will give us a temporary pleasure... They'll give us a temporary band-aid to cover up what we really want and what we really need, and you know what that is? That's Jesus. Some of us feel like, man, Pastor Joe, you know, I like Jesus and I like this, but I've I've never been where you're talking about. Well, the truth is is I want to challenge you and say you've never got a hold of the real thing because once you get a glimpse of Jesus, the real Jesus, in your life and you find yourself lacking and you find yourself empty, and you find yourself wanting and you run back to him he's more than enough come on somebody he's more than enough everything you could ever want and ever need can be found in the broken body of Jesus so we see that he broke it he blessed it he broke it and he gave here's the second thing he done he passed the cup and he promised See, verse 27 says, Then he took a cup, giving thanks, and he gave it to them. And he said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus passed a cup. I want you to hear this. Jesus passed a cup that brought to life the representation of the cleansing power of Jesus. It was a living example. See, that word covenant, some of us don't know what covenant means. We can say the word covenant, but we don't understand what it really, really means when we break it down. That word covenant is almost like, to us, a contract or, or a promise. You know, back in the day, uh, and some of you all may have, have been here, but some of you all may not, but back in the day, you used to be able to say something, shake your hand, and it was guaranteed that it was good. Why? Because you promised that it would be fulfilled. I'll do it. I promise. We'll shake our hands and we'll call it done. But now in modern times, people have broken the idea of covenant. They've broken the understanding of a promise. And now we have to put on paper legal binding saying that if I sign my name to this, then it will come to pass. And Jesus made a covenant with us when he passed this blood, this cup. He said, this is my covenant or my promise or my legal obligation now that every sin of every man can be forgiven. And he promised. He promised. He's saying, drink, drink this blood and your sins will be forgiven. Allow this blood to not only be something that you see in Scripture or that you hear about in church or that you talk about on Sunday mornings, but allow it to become a part of you. Allow what I'm pouring out to become a part of your everyday life, of your everyday choices. Come on. See, Paul calls it The purchasing blood. Acts 20 and 28. He calls it the redeeming blood twice. Colossians 1 and 14 and Ephesians 1 and 7. And and, and in Peter and in Revelations declaring that the shedding of the blood is the very price for our salvation. We couldn't have salvation if Jesus didn't promise he would give it. Therefore, it is also the justifying blood and the peacemaking blood. Here's what we've got to understand. When we partake of this and we say, I want this, we're saying that Jesus is more than enough, right? We've already clarified that. But it also puts us in right standing before God. And when he views us, this is so good this morning, when he views us, he doesn't see Job. There's a lens. How many people have ever looked through dirty lenses, right? Whether it's glasses or goggles or, or I know one thing that all of us who wear glasses hate right now is when you put that mask on and you've got those glasses on, it fogs up. can't see nothing. You're looking through a dirty lens, right? But here's the way that God looks at us. When he looks at us as believers, he's looking through a bloody lens. And I know that that sounds weird in our natural sense, Right? But in the spiritual sense, when he sees me, he has to look through the blood of Jesus to find me. There is an infinite and internal power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of an everlasting covenant. It's the blood of an everlasting promise. The first reference in the New Testament to his blood stresses this aspect. Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my blood of the New Testament or the covenant which is shed for the many remissions of sins. Let no one, therefore, even count the blood of the covenant an unholy thing, for the blood of Christ is forever innocent, infinitely precious, perfectly justifying, and it's always cleansing, and it's always fully sanctifying. I know, I ain't got it all together, right? I <laughs> I don't know about you, if you got it all together, praise the Lord. Come talk to me after church, let's discuss how you done it, and let's see if I can figure it out too. But the truth is, is that when God sees us, He sees the blood constantly doing a work in our lives. Constantly. See, the blood was shed for the washing of not only those that were in that room, but everyone in this room and everyone in this city. And everyone in this state and everyone in this nation, from that day forward, even till now, the blood still works. And I want you to hear this this morning. Whenever he passed that cup, it became a personal cup. Whoever had a hold of the cup at the time, it was their cup. Hear me this morning. This is still a personal cup. This is my cup. It's my freedom the blood brings, it's my cleansing that the blood brings. It's my forgiveness that the blood brings. It's my deliverance that the blood brings. There's things in our lives, you know what, if we would simply turn it over to the blood, we would have freedom from it. If we would simply just say, Lord Jesus, this is yours and this will always be yours. Work, do what only you can do. And the same goes for you. But how quickly do we forget the goodness of God due to the folly of our traditionalism? What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? I mean this, that we get so fixated on coming to church, like Brother Bryce said a minute ago. And he had no clue I was going to say any of this. And it's right here in my notes, so you can go back and look at it. But the truth is, is that we come to church, and we mark it off our list, and we call our good deed done, and then we go about our week, and then when we come back next Sunday, we're here to fulfill another mark on our weekly list. But in reality, the blood don't work that way. It's an everyday thing. It's an all-the-time thing. Don't let church services or church things replace you sitting at the table of communion with God. I'm going to say it again. Don't let church functions, don't let church things, don't let listening to preachers during the week, don't let listening to worship music during the week, don't let any of that become a replacement for you physically getting into the presence of God and saying, let me have communion with you. Let me take a moment with you today and and just talk it out and receive a fresh breaking of the bread and receive a fresh cup of the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. So we see that he, he broke the bread and he gave it. He passed the cup and he promised. I love this. I love this. But he chose to break and pour in spite of. Some of y'all need to listen real close. We see in this scripture reference that Jesus addressed his betrayer. He did. He acknowledged his betrayer. He knew who his betrayer was. And that he was going to betray him. But he still broke. And he said to them, He still passed and he still said to them, take and drink, this this emphasis right here is amazing to me, take and drink all of you. (laughs) Some of us couldn't do that, could we? Like you dirty conniving, two-timing, you know, and we just lay into people because the truth is, is we don't understand grace and forgiveness. But Jesus looked his betrayer right in the face and said, guess what I'm getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to go to the cross. And I'm getting ready to break my life open. And I'm getting ready to pour my blood. And that same forgiveness is extended to you. Take, eat, and drink. What? What? Jesus gave his life for us and took the breaking and gave to us Even the ones, still still to this day, who choose to betray him, who choose to turn their backs on him, and who choose to not be a part of him, he still broke and he still poured despite. I love this. This is a quote from Max Lucado from one of his writings, One God, One Plan, One Life. And this is what it says. Grace is everything Jesus. Grace lives because he does. And it works because he works. And it matters because he matters. To be saved by grace is to be saved by Jesus. Not by an idea, not a rule, or a church membership, but by Jesus himself, who will sweep into heaven anyone. I'm going to say it again. Who will sweep into heaven Anyone who so much as gives him the nod. Guys, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. There's times I feel like filth. Because I, I there's not a day that goes by that I don't question, God, are you pleased with me? Lord, does this please you? Does this make you happy? Does this make you love me. And you know what? I, I, f- I fail because I do that. And the reason why I fail because I do that is that I'm, I can't be loved any more than what He loves me. And I can't be valued any more than what He already values me. And I can't be cherished any more than what He already cherishes me. And I want to do the good and pleasing will of the Lord. But I don't have to earn His love. And I don't have to earn His grace. And I don't have to earn His forgiveness. All I got to do is look at Him and say, Okay, I believe it, okay, I receive it, all right, you know, and that simple, that simple sacrifice of me being honest, open, and vulnerable to the Lord is where His grace comes in and rescues us every time. The Bible says that new mercies are given to us every single day. Thank God He gives me new mercies every day. Why? Because I give him new reasons not to every day. But he gives me new ones every single day. And in in spite of my sin, and in spite of my failures, and in spite of my flaws and my weaknesses, he he still chose. He decided, I'm going to break my body, and I'm going to shed my blood, because there's a young man down in Tennessee that needs communion with God. And this is the only way he's going to be able to get it. He knew our weaknesses. He knew our trespasses. He knows our mistakes. He knows our secret sins. You know, the one that no one knows about, that we don't talk about. He knows our intentions. And he knows our failures. And he knows our successes. But he still chose to break and to pour for us. Last week, I said it in a sermon. I'm going to say it again this week because it's so good. Is that our falls and our failures and our weaknesses did not shock God when he chose us. He included it in the equation. It's just like us when we go to purchase a car. We look at the car, whether it's, you know, a used car. We pull up, what do we see? Oh, there's a ding there. Well, that's all right. I can look over that. Oh, you know, there's some dirty... There's a stain on the seat. That's all right. I'll, I'll look over that. And we take those into consideration whenever we make the purchase. And just like us, when we purchase something we want, God looked at us and he wanted us and he saw our faults and our failures and our flaws and our weaknesses and he said, I'll still choose it. I'll still choose them. Despite of all their ignorance. Come on, somebody. Despite of all their stupidity. Despite of all their failures. Despite of everything And I love this because when Jesus views us, he doesn't view where we currently are. He views us at the end state. So even everything we're going to do that's ignorant, he calculated it in. And to me, he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Today we're going to join into what was taking place here in this moment with the Last Supper, and, and we're going to take communion this morning. And we're going to fulfill, you know, Scripture tells us to do this in remembrance of Christ. And and this morning, I want us to to dive in, and we're going to take communion ourselves. Aaron, if you would, would care to come up here and get one of these trays, would you help, and, um, Ed, if you wouldn't care? Sure. Yeah, you're fine. Come on. If you want to pray for us, that's fine, and we'll, we'll leave... Just, now here's the thing, some of y'all are look. I used to, I used to uh, dislike communion pretty heavily, and the reason why I dislike communion is, is because, you go ahead and just pass them out, you're fine. One reason why I disliked communion is because I felt like it was a tease getting a little tiny oyster cracker and a little, like, .5 ounces of juice, <laughs> and so... I decided a long time ago that I was going to change the way I done communion and so as you see we get full crackers and we get a lot of juice here but I wanna can I squash a religious cow this morning can I kill some sacred cows this morning for years I was taught that if you ain't where you need to be, don't you take this communion. How many people's ever heard that before? All over. All over. Check this out. I was asking God about that. I said, Lord, what does that mean? And I feel like he told me that sometimes we take things out of context. And this is what I feel like the Lord told me. He said, Isn't that the point of Christianity? Is to allow my brokenness in your life? To allow my blood in your life? Isn't that the point? Isn't that why you come to church is so you could have more of me? How else are we going to get right but come to the broken body of Jesus and the blood that was poured out for him? And for me to stand up here and say, don't you dare take this communion... Unless you get right with the Lord, this is getting right with the Lord. We're taking the brokenness of God and putting it in our lives, and we're taking the blood of Jesus, and we're bringing it into our lives. Now, I heard this one time, and you may have never heard communion this way, and if if you haven't, praise the Lord, I'm super excited. The prophet Ezekiel was given a vision of God. In heaven, sometimes we talk about the wheel within the wheel. Anybody ever heard that? Well, in this particular vision, he saw a creature that was holding up the throne of God, and this thr- and this creature had four faces. And we see, we know that the cracker represents the broken body of Jesus, the unleavened bread, which means that there's no mixture; it's pure. It's It's everything that it should be and it is to be. And it represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And this creature that was holding up the throne of God, we can also see a representation of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a corner at a time. So don't worry. You ain't got to eat the whole thing. But just, you know, all in one bite. But listen. The creature had four faces, and the first face was the face of a man. In Scripture, the Bible tells us that the Word of God became flesh. The Logos, which is the Greek word. So before Jesus was ever called Jesus, He was called Word, and His name was Logos. And the Bible says that the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, representing that He was all God, and He was all man. And because He was all man, He took on flesh like we did, and He went to the cross, and He bore our sins, and He broke Himself physically in a fleshly form so we could have communion with the Lord. And unless we eat, and the Bible tells us this, unless we eat of His body and take of His blood, we have no part of Him. And so... In remembrance of him and his deeds on the cross, let's partake of this just one corner at a time. So, one corner. The second face that we see in this passage of scripture is the face of a lion. And what this represents Jesus to be is that the Bible says that he ascended up into heaven. But when he comes back, he's going to be coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The King is coming. He's not just a lowly, meek, and lowly servant. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, victorious, reigning on His throne from heaven. And we can trust in that, that who is this King of glory? Who is this man? He is the King of kings, and He's strong and mighty in battle, and He is going before us. Come on, somebody. Amen. So we take the second part of this piece of bread as a representation that he is the king of kings, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The third face that we see on that creature that was upholding the throne was the face of an eagle. And the face of an eagle, this is the divine son of God. The Bible says that we as believers who have come to know the Lord can be seated in heavenly places. That we are seated not only with God, but with Christ in heavenly places. How many people know that when you are above things, they don't catch you by surprise? Come on, somebody. And the truth is, is that we don't understand oftentimes that when we are with Christ, we can look down on situations and see that He's got them under control. That He soars above everything that we call big and we call problems and we call treacherous. He looks down on them. He's seated high. Just like an eagle is, when it takes its nest and it looks down and it sees everything that takes place, that's the way God is in our lives and that's what Jesus does for us. He looks down and he, he protects us from on high. Come on, somebody. And we should meditate on the fact that he is God and he is sovereign and he is above. And because of that, we partake of this third piece this morning. I love this next part, part number four, face number four. I know some of y'all are choking to death. You're like, please just get to the blood, please. But you don't want to miss this next part. The fourth face that we see of this creature was the face of an ox. What was an ox? It was a beast of burden. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What did he bear? He bore the sins and the weight of men that we couldn't bear ourselves. And because of such, he he bore our weight and our sin and he took it to the cross. And in return, he looked at us and he said, take my yoke upon you. Because my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And he said, don't carry what you've been carrying. I was designed to do that. You weren't. Don't carry the weight of condemnation. Don't carry the weight of guilt. Don't carry the weight of shame. Matter of fact, I'll trade you. I'll take all of that. And not only am I going to take it, I'm going to take it to the cross. And when I take it to the cross, I'm going to get rid of it there. I will bear that burden for you. And we find rest. Where do we find rest? In the presence of God. And I challenge you this morning. When we think of who He is and we think of what He does, there's so much more to it than just saying, I love you, Lord. (laughs) He's our burden bearer. Take that last piece of the body this morning. As we see in the scripture, he passed that cup, the promise. We talked about it already. And this morning, this is the promise. This is the covenant of fellowship. This is the promise that we have access to him. This is what gives us the ability to go to the Lord and go to him and say, I have problems, I have issues, I have needs. It's not our goodness. It's not our works. But it is the broken blood of Jesus Christ that poured from the cross of Calvary that allows us to be in good standings with the Lord. So take and drink and and just, I praise the Lord for the covenant this morning, amen? Praise the Lord. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says this, Call unto me, and I will answer. Call unto me, and I will answer. no matter what your situation is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how far away you've been, no matter how close you are, call and he will answer. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to go to the cross. Thank you for his willingness to shed blood, Lord. Thank you for the covenant promise that you are always for us, God. And that when You view us, You view us from the stance of blood. God, thank You this morning that it was Your Son that set us free. And who He sets free is truly free. They're free indeed, is what the Scripture says, God. Lord, right now we ask that You just bring to our remembrance, God, the sweetness of the Lord. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, let me know that You're good. Remind me every day, God, that my communion with You is available through the blood of Jesus and the works of Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord. We ask all this, and we believe all this, and we decree all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.